Chapter Ten of Tristram Shandy, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Julie van Walleghem. The Life and Opinions of Tristram Shandy, Gentleman, Volume One, by Lawrence Stern. Chapter Ten. Whatever degree of small merit the act of benignity in the favour of the midwife might justly claim, or in whom that claim truly rested, at first sight seems not very material to this history. Certain, however, it was that a gentlewoman, the parson's wife, did run away at the time with the whole of it. And yet, for my life, I cannot help thinking but that a parson himself so he had not the good fortune to hit upon the design first yet yet as he heartily concurred in it the moment it was laid before him and as heartily parted with his money to carry it into execution had a claim to some share of it if not a full half of whatever honour was due to it the world at that time was pleased to determine the matter otherwise lay down the book and i will allow you half a day to give a probable guess at the grounds of this procedure be it known then that for about five years before the date of the midwife's license of which you have had so circumstantial an account the parson we have to do with had made himself a country talk by a breach of all decorum which he had committed against himself his station and his office and that was in never appearing better or otherwise mounted than upon a lean sorry jackass of a horse value about one pound fifteen shillings who to shorten all description of him was full brother to rosinante as far as similitude congenial could make him for he answered his description to hairbreadth in everything except that i do not remember it is anywhere said that rosinante was broken-winded and that moreover rosinante as is the happiness of most spanish horses fat or lean was undoubtedly a horse at all points i know very well that a hero's horse was a horse's chaste deportment which may have given grounds for contrary opinion but it is certain at the same time that rosinante's continency as may be demonstrated from the adventure of the yangesian carriers proceeded from no bodily defect or cause whatsoever but from the temperance and orderly current of his blood and let me tell you madam there is a great deal of very good chastity in the world in behalf of which you could not say more for your life let that be as it may as my purpose is to do exact justice to every creature brought upon the stage of this dramatic work i could not stifle this distinction in favour of don quixote's horse in all other points the parson's horse i say was just such another for he was as lean and as lank and as sorry a jade as humility herself could have bestrided in the estimation of here and there a man of weak judgment it was greatly in the parson's power to have helped the figure of this horse of his for he was master of a very handsome demi-peaked saddle quilted on the seat with green plush garnished with double row of silver-headed studs and a noble pair of shining brass stirrups with a housing altogether suitable of grey superfine cloth with an edging of black lace terminating in a deep black silk fringe poudre d'or 
all which he had purchased in the pride and crime of his life, together with a grand embossed bridle, ornamented at all points, as it should be. But not caring to banter his beast, he had hung all these up behind his study door, and in lieu of them had seriously befitted him with just such bridle and such a saddle as the figure and value of such a steed might well and truly deserve. In the several sallies about his parish, and in the neighbouring visits to the gentry lived around him, you will easily comprehend that a parson so appointed would both hear and see enough to keep his philosophy from rusting. To speak the truth, he never could enter a village, but he caught the attention of both old and young. Labour stood still as he passed, the bucket hung suspended in the middle of the well, the spinning wheel forgot its round. Even Chuck Farthing and Shufflecap themselves stood gaping till he had got out of sight, and as his movement was not of the quickest, he had generally time enough upon his hands to make his observations, to hear the groans of the serious and the laughter of the light-hearted, all which he bore with excellent tranquillity. His character was, he loved to jest in his heart, and as he saw himself in the true point of ridicule, he would say he could not be angry with others for seeing men alight, in which he so strongly saw himself. So that to his friends, who knew his foible was not the love of money, and who therefore made the less scruple in bantering the extravagance of his humour, instead of giving the true cause, he chose rather to join in the laugh against himself. And as he never carried one single ounce of flesh upon his own bones, being altogether as spare of figure as his beast, he would sometimes insist upon it that a horse was as good as a rider deserved, that they were sent town like both of a piece, at other times and in other moods, when his spirits were rebuffed the temptation of false wit, he would say he found himself going off fast in a consumption, and with great gravity would pretend he could not bear the sight of a fat horse without a dejection of heart, and a sensible alteration in his pulse, and that he had made his choice of the lean one he rode upon, not only to keep himself in countenance, but in spirits. At different times he would give fifty humorous and apposite reasons for riding a meek-spirited jade of broken-winded horse, preferably to one of metal, for on such a one he could sit mechanically and meditate as delightfully de vanita de mundi et fuga saeculi, as with the advantage of a death's head before him, that in all other exercitations he could spend his time, as he rode slowly along, to as much account as in his study, that he could draw up an argument in his sermon, or a hole in his breeches, as steadily on the one as in the other, that brisk trotting and slow argumentation, like wit and judgment, were two incompatible movements, but that upon his steed he could unite and reconcile everything. He could compose a sermon, he could compose his cough, and in case nature gave a call that way, he could likewise compose himself to sleep. In short, the parson upon such encounters would assign any cause but a true cause, and he withheld the true one only out of a nicety of temper, because he thought it did honour to him. But the truth of the story was as follows. In the first years of this gentleman's life, and about the time when the superb saddle and bridle were purchased by him, it had been his manner, or vanity, or call it what you will, to run into the opposite extreme, 
in the language of the county where he dwelt, he was said to have loved a good horse, and generally had one of the best in the whole parish, standing in a stable always ready for saddling. And as nearest midwife, as I told you, did not live nearer to the village than seven miles and in a vile country, it so fell out that the poor gentleman was scarce a whole week together without some piteous application for his beast, and as he was not an unkind-hearted man, and every case was more pressing and more distressful than the last, as much as he loved his beast he had never a heart to refuse him, the upshot of which was generally this, that his horse was either clapped or spavined or greased, or he was twitter-boned or broken-winded or something in short or other had befallen him which would let him carry no flesh, so that he had every nine or ten months a bad horse to get rid of, and a good horse to purchase in his stead. What the loss in such a balance might amount to, Comuni Buzanis, I would leave to a special jury of sufferers in the same traffic to determine. But let it be what it would, the honest gentleman bore it for many years without a murmur, till at length, by repeated ill accidents of the kind, he found it necessary to take the thing under consideration, and upon weighing the whole and summing it up in his mind, he found it not only disproportioned to his other expenses, but withal so heavy an article in itself, as to disable him from any other act of generosity in his parish. Besides this, he considered, that with half the sum thus galloped away, he could do ten times as much good, and what still weighed more with him than all other considerations put together, was this, that it confined all his charity into one particular channel, and whereas he fancied it was the least wanted, namely to the child-bearing and child-getting part of his parish, reserving nothing for the impotent, nothing for the aged, nothing for the many comfortless scenes he was hourly called forth to visit, where poverty and sickness and affliction dwelt together. For these reasons he resolved to discontinue the expense, and there appeared but two possible ways to extricate him clearly out of it, and these were, either to make it an irrevocable law never more to lend a steed upon any application whatever, or else be content to ride the last poor devil, such as if they had made him, with all his aches and infirmities, to the very end of the chapter. As he dreaded his own constancy in the first, he very cheerfully betook himself to the second, and though he could very well have explained it, as I said to his honour, yet for that very reason he had a spirit above it, choosing rather to bear the contempt of his enemies and the laughter of his friends than undergo the pain of telling a story which might seem a panegyric upon himself. I have the highest idea of the spiritual and refined sentiments of this reverend gentleman from the single stroke in his character, which I think comes up to any of the honest refinements of the peerless knight of Lamenca, whom, by the by, with all his follies, I love more, and would actually have gone further to have paid a visit to, than the greatest hero of antiquity. But this is not the moral of my story. The thing I had in view was to shew the temper of the world in the whole of this affair. For you must know that so long as this explanation would have done the parson credit, the devil a soul could find it out. I suppose his enemies would not, and that his friends could not. But no sooner did he bestir himself in behalf of the midwife and pay the expenses of the ordinary's license to send her up, but the whole secret came out, 
every horse he had lost, and two horses more than ever he had lost, with all the circumstances of their destruction, were known and distinctly remembered. The story ran like wildfire. The parson had a returning fit of pride, which had just teased him, and was going to be well-mounted once again in his life. And if it was so, twas plain as the sun at noonday, he would pocket the expense of the license ten times told the very first year, so that everybody was left to judge what were his views in this act of charity. What were his views in this, and in every other action of his life, or rather, what were the opinions which floated in the brains of other people concerning it, was a thought which too much floated in his own, and too often broke in upon his rest, when he should have been sound asleep. About ten years ago this gentleman had the good fortune to be made entirely easy beyond that score, it being just so long since he left his parish, and the whole world at the same time behind him, and stands accountable to a judge of whom he will have no cause to complain. But there is a fatality attends the actions of some men, order them as they will, they pass through a certain medium, which is so twists and refracts them from their true directions, that, with all the tides of praise which a rectitude of heart can give, the doers of them are nevertheless forced to live and die without it. Of the truth of which, this gentleman was a painful example. But to know by what means this came to pass, and to make that knowledge of use to you, I insist upon it, that you read the two following chapters, which contain such a sketch of his life and conversation, as will carry its moral along with it. When this is done, if nothing stops us in our way, we will go on with the midwife. End of chapter 10